Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Uh, A slightly unusual episode in that we have a sponsor. Uh, This week we're sponsored by the Stoics. External things are not the problem. It's your assessment of them, which you can erase right now. Marcus Aurelius said that. And I suppose where we're starting with um, this week, or what we're starting with this week, is, is memory. And it's so often that we see the word memory attached to photography in so many different ways, from an academic perspective as a, a starting point for our exploration, through archives, through the snapshot. So much of photography is about memory. And why I suppose I wanted to kind of discuss that this week was that something very personal and very specific happened uh, to me um, recently um, in a, with a photographic book that came out by the photographer Neil McDermott. Uh, Neil's book, uh, Southwest, um, I think it's Southwestern actually, but anyway, um, Neil's latest book is a, a documentary project um, in the sort of softest sense in that it's, it's an observational journey around Southwest London an area where I grew up as a child. And uh, Neil and I have often spoken about um, those different kind of areas and so forth, where I know he now lives. Anyway, um, about a year or so ago, or maybe a little bit longer, actually, um, he tweeted one of the images of the project as it was kind of ongoing, and I instantly recognised it. It was a photograph in a beautiful, soft kind of sepia tones of a chair and a a white desk, um, and I instantly recognised it as the reception area of my mother's hairdressing salon, um, which she had worked in in the 1970s in Mitcham, the Fair Green, and the the name of the hairdressing salon was Vanity Fair. Uh, I had sat at that table and chair for many, many days and hours um, during summer holidays when that's what we did. We went to school, uh, went to work with our mother when school was off. Anyway, I, I contacted Neil and uh, purchased a print um, from him. And it was wonderful to see that image now in his latest book. Why it was very important, I suppose, was that um, although the photograph was taken, he said, very uh, just before it was actually changed in, into something else, the decoration in the in that area, in that space, had remained exactly the same uh, since 1973. Um, My mother is now suffering uh, with Parkinson's disease and has been for a number of years. And so it was incredible to be able to take that print and now take that book and share it with her and to kind of bring back those memories and have discussions around the things that had happened to us and what we used to experience when I used to uh, go and work in that hairdressing salon. So, you know, that memory um, really became very personal to me uh, in that sense. And I suppose in a way, that's when photography is at its most powerful, when it can take you back to a place that meant so much at the time and allows you to relive not only the sights and the sounds, but the smells and the feelings that were so relevant to you at the time. 
Last week, I spoke a little bit about portrait photography and the, I suppose I was, I was crying out for, um, to see work, which was kind of reflecting that history of portrait photography, um, which I felt was really important. And I, and I commented that I wasn't seeing this work that kind of referenced the history of our medium. Um, and then I purchased a book. The book is called The Eye, uh, How the World's Most Influential Creative Directors Develop Their Vision. And this is quite a, a hefty tome. Um, and it was produced by a guy called Nathan Williams. And it comes out of the kinfolk um, kind of stable. You're aware of kinfolk. It's a, a design-led magazine. Um, very beautiful, very influential, um, and a number of books have also come out of that that kind of concept. The book in itself is kind of designed very much like the magazine, but it is jammed full of photography that is exactly the kind of photography that I was talking about uh, last week that I wanted to see. It's full of just beautiful portrait photography in its purest sense. It's not actually a photography book as such, but I highly recommend it to anybody interested in photography. Now, what's also interesting, I suppose, is that the work that's in the eye, the book, um, is commissioned photography. It was commissioned, uh, I think, maybe for kinfolk, although there's some archival work in there as well. But this is work that photographers are getting commissioned to create. And one of the conversations I've had a lot recently has been with photographers sort of finding it difficult to understand how to get commissioned. And yet, here is a body of work that is all commissioned and is beautiful and is true photography and serious photography and all those other things that people feel is important to retain in their visual language and their professional practice, of course. But this is commissioned photography and the kind of photography that I'm seeing a lot of that people are saying to me, but I'm not getting commissioned. The question I always put back to them is, where do you see that work? And unfortunately, what's happening is they're coming back to me and they're saying, I don't see it as commissioned work, but I do see it in the competitions and so forth. And it takes us back to that thing again. And I don't want to keep harping on about the same thing every week, but I suppose I'm kind of drawn back to it because the conversations I'm having and the discussions I'm having with people draw me there. It's not somewhere I necessarily want to go to on my own, but I find myself drawn there. So I suppose really fantastically exciting for me to discover a whole new uh, load of photographers in this particular book, The Eye. Um, there are a couple in there um, whose names I recognise, but the majority of them I don't. So if you are wondering about portrait photography, if you're looking to see how there's a, perhaps a different approach, which is perhaps a really natural kind of, uh, has natural connections with a lot of the masters and the greats of photography and doesn't come from this particular aesthetic that I speak about and have spoken about um, previously. And I noticed in this um, past week, 
some other awards have been announced as to who's won them. And it's the same old names with the same old work yet again. It really is time for a change. Following on from that idea of uh, the kind of work that's being shown and the, uh, I suppose, the, uh, the prevalence of a certain approach, um, my eye was drawn to uh, a number of workshops uh, over the last um, couple of weeks, actually. And I have no problems with workshops. I think they can be great. And the same thing with mentoring as well. And I also, just to kind of clarify here, I don't have any problems with people paying for workshops or paying for mentoring um, as long as you know the people who are delivering them know what they're talking about and the expectations of the people paying for those workshops or for that mentoring um, are met I think it's very different um, I mean that, that both of those are forms of education which is very different to the portfolio review which is a sort of a 20 minute wham bam thank you ma'am kind of a situation but what really concerned me and this there's a particular workshop um which i'm just going to read you um exactly what it's offering um and it, and see if you feel the same that i do it's a week-long workshop i'm not going to completely identify it but these are the uh, the offerings so this is what you can expect what they're saying uh, how can you become a leader in your field? How might your work have greater resonance and impact? How can you build better networks, partnerships and clients? How can you access the most inspiring and ambitious commissions? How can you influence developments in the sector? How can you achieve more creative success without compromising your income? You're already making good work. Increase your power Join us to become one of the next generation of creative producers. Wow, that's a huge expectation there from a week-long workshop. I think it's over-promising. There's nothing worse than that if it then under-delivers. What also then concerned me was that there are, they've said that further speakers will be confirmed. However, they're launching this workshop with... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people who are going to be involved described as speakers. Again, interesting that terminology of speaker rather than somebody who's going to work with you. But anyway, out of those people, um, only one of them is actually a photographer and describes themselves as a practitioner rather than as a photographer. The others are all curators, consultants, head of partnerships. Now, that instantly takes me to a specific body of work, a type of work for a specific outcome. But that's not how it's being sold. It just makes me wonder the impact that such kind of advertising has on the mental well-being of photographers who either feel that they need to be part of that process, this pay-to-play uh, kind of logic which is so wrong that if you can't go you're not going to be a major leader in the sector um, if you can't afford it you're going to feel bad about that if you do go and you've got those high expectations because those are the things that they're offering you but at the end of the day it doesn't work out for you where does that leave you does that leave you that you failed or is it the case 
that the workshop failed. If it's a case that you failed, you're going to feel pretty bad about that. And that's quite something to have to take on board. If it's the workshop that failed, they really need to think about their moral integrity. There can be few photographers, I suppose, with more moral integrity than Sunil Gupta. Sunil was born in 1953 in New Delhi and now lives in London as a Canadian citizen. During the late 1960s, his family moved to Montreal, where he received uh, his BA in communications in 1977 at Concordia University. His thirst for an artistic education led him to New York and then England, and after receiving his diploma in photography at West Surrey College of Art and Design, uh, Gupta decided to continue his academic education at the Royal College of Art. He then enrolled at the University of Surrey, where he gained an honorary MA. In 1989, he uh, co-founded Autograph, the Association of Black Photographers, and a few years later participated in the birth of the Organisation for Visual Arts, known as OVA, O-V-A, aimed to promote a better understanding of cultural diverse visual arts practices. In 1995, he was diagnosed as HIV positive and decided not to let this uh, situation rule his life and decided to fight back. As an artist, he's always gravitated towards self-reverential art exploration and expression, retaining his belief in the universal nature of the human condition. Uh, his work has been extensively exhibited both nationally and internationally at the Pompidou Centre, Paris, the ICA London, the Serpentine Gallery London, the Photographer's Gallery and the Tate Liverpool, amongst many other museums and galleries. His work is also held in collections at the Museum of Modern Art New York, uh, the Tate in London, the Philadelphia Museum of Art and the Tokyo Metropolitan Museum of Photography, the National Gallery of Canada, Ottawa and George Eastman House, Rochester, uh, New York. He has won multiple awards, and his most recent books include Christopher Street, uh, 1976, uh, Delhi, Communities of Belonging, Queer, Sunny Gupta, Wish You Were Here, and Pictures From Here. And this week here, we have Sunil Gupta. Hello, my name is Sunil Gupta, and the question is, what does photography mean to me? Well, over the years it has meant many things, from hobby to fine art. When I was in school, it was a hobby. I was intrigued by the physics and chemistry of it. Me and a friend spent many hours in a makeshift darkroom mixing chemistry and trying to produce rudimentary prints. It was way too exciting. However, when I got to college, and that was by then in a different country, in Canada, in 1969, photography became something else. It became a means of recording my student politics. And in our case, it was the story of the birth of gay liberation on campus. This was 1970-72, and the earliest groups were forming and it became my role to document our public activities, which meant protests and various places we went to and so on. These we published in our local paper. We made a gay liberation newspaper. So, in fact, I had a complete process from shooting to 
publication at my fingertips. That was very exciting as well. Then later when I went to art school in England and came out into the world of work in the early 1980s, having experienced and been part of the first black student show at the Royal College of Art in 1983, I found myself at a kind of junction of making a more definite choice towards politics in the shape of the Greater London Council and turned my back somewhat to art and Cork Street. And it was through the GLC that I began to become aware of how larger social policy and culture can work together. Meanwhile, my professed interest in wanting to produce photography around social justice for the media was not really possible as that kind of work had now been taken over by television or so the picture editors were telling me. So I concentrated on working with groups that were emerging from the GLC and one of them around photography eventually became Autograph, the Association for Black Photographers, which was formed in London in 1988, and I'm happy to say lives on to this day as a force for lobbying for the cause of photographers of color in the UK. My own interests, however, began to move away from the purely documentary to the more creative, let's say, and restaged documentary, as documentary had begun to develop ethical issues about uh, the subjects being very divorced from the makers. In the 90s and thereafter, I spent largely making a variety of projects that used this technique of real-world settings and fictional characters to explore various issues that were of interest to me, including the developing sense of care liberation and identities and the querying of those, and at the same time, the growing awareness around race and culture. Uh, there was, actually, back then, and I would say even now, a tension between documentary and fine art practice and photography. It's important to me who gets to tell whose story in the world. And my concerns have shifted from photography as the representation of politics to photography as the politics of representation. Thank you, Sunil, for uh, a really thought-provoking uh, contribution this week. And I really hope um, that that slight buzzing in the background there of Sunil's contribution didn't um, spoil your enjoyment and uh, focus on what he had to say. A slightly longer podcast um, this week because there was so much to say and so much to look at, look at I suppose, in what's been going on. Um, it really just leaves me this week to uh, say uh, thanks very much for listening and a final word from our sponsor. 
If anyone can refute me, show me I'm making a mistake or looking at things from the wrong perspective, I'll gladly change. It's the truth I'm after, and the truth never harmed anyone. Marcus Aurelius. Take care.